Good morning, church. I'm glad to see each of you today. I'm glad to be back with you today. Uh, I've been dealing with an allergy attack uh, all week long, so if I run out of voice, uh, we'll get out early. And I don't pray in that direction, however. Uh, I, have a, I have a lot that I'd like to share with us today. You know, uh, a week ago, Dr. Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists in, in the history of the world, had his 96th birthday. He's still alive. He's still able to preach. He's uh, uh, he still meets with uh, some contemporaries and and for business sessions and so forth. But uh, he's uh, he's much weaker now than what he used to be. But he still loves the Lord Jesus with all his heart. I want I, I want to uh, use him in reference uh, today in the message that I'm sharing. I'm preaching on the subject the old time religion. Brother Ted has read the primary text that I want to look at today. Uh, he, re- he read from the New International Version, and uh, I'm preaching from the New King James Translation. There's not a, there, there's not a lot of difference in the verses. Uh, let me just read Jude, verse 3, out of the New King James Translation, which says, Beloved, while I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. And God will bless his word. Would you bow with me for a moment of prayer? Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you will impress this verse of scripture on our hearts today. Help us to realize what the old-time religion is all about. Help us to realize that the old-time religion is also the all-time religion, the every-time religion, the religion that is needed in every generation, in every age. And I, I pray that we'll be true to the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Help us to honor that faith, to share that faith, to stand in that faith, and, and to look to you uh, to bless us as we seek to do your will in our lives. We pray today, Father, that you'll move in our midst and have your way in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Keep your Bible open to this passage. Now, I mentioned Dr. Billy Graham. You know, at the close of his early uh, Los Angeles crusade, Billy Graham's ministry was uh, uh, described in Time magazine in 1963 by an Episcopalian rector who was quoted as saying, I believe he's putting the church back 50 years. Uh, At the minister's breakfast during the closing week of the crusade, Dr. Graham, who never responds to his critics, referred to the remark with kindness and with humor, and he said, I'm afraid I've failed. I had hoped to put the church back 2,000 years. And uh, uh, those are my sentiments exactly. He's talking about the old-time religion. He's talking about getting back to the Word of God. He's talking about uh, a thus saith the Lord. He's talking about uh, about the man's greatest need being met by God's greatest offer uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so... uh, I want to talk about that today. There are many today who feel that the simple New Testament faith, the old time religion, may have been good enough for Paul and Silas, but it's not good enough for generation Xers, XYZers, millenniums. It's not good enough uh, for 
the baby boomers or the busters. You know, we think that we're so sophisticated and uh, and so educated that we've outgrown that. Uh, you know, it may be all right for some of the, some some of the others, but not us. It may have been okay in the days of the the shepherds uh, and ox carts, but it's not this day. Not in this day of space shuttles and astronauts. Yeah, you know, we have advanced so far. Uh, to hang on to the old-time religion, they say, is like trying to uh, drive a, a horse and buggy down an interstate freeway. Uh, they, they have no use for it today. We're, we're living in a contemporary uh, moment when, uh, you know, I, I mentioned to my wife this morning uh, that many of the churches, many denominations have taken uh, every song that talks about the blood being shed for the remission of our sins. In, in, you know, uh, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Take that out of the songbook because that is distasteful. And many of the many of the churches and denominations have taken every reference to the blood out of their songbooks. And then I told my wife, in fact is, you know, there are a whole lot of churches today that, that has even taken the songbook away. We don't have the songbook anymore. We just, we, 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 you, we post it on the screen. And that's not bad. But I think that there's some benefit from seeing things in, on on the printed page, at, at least occasionally. Uh, I think the same thing is true with the Bible. I know that there are a lot of people that use the iPad and the iPhone, and, and we've got the, the Bible right in it, uh, and, and that's all right. But there's there's something about having your Bible and marking that Bible and uh, underlining words and studying those words that you can't get out of an iPhone or iPad or out of your computer. And so I'm suggesting that don't give up the use of the iPad and iPhones and so forth, but don't don't turn away from the use of your Bible. Uh, study that Bible. Read that Bible. Memorize those verses. It'll help you uh, throughout your entire life. And so I want to talk about the old-time religion this morning. I believe that the greatest need in America today is to return to the old-time religion. America seems to have lost its soul. Our philosophy seems to be, if it feels good, do it. And if you get caught, blame someone else. Uh, that's sort of what's going on. And we're like the lady that went to the psychiatrist. She had a strip of bacon over one ear and a, a strip of bacon over the other ear. And she had a fried egg on top of her head. And uh, she said to the psychiatrist, Doctor, I've come to talk to you about my brother. Now, it takes just a little while to get that. You know, uh, we're the ones who need the help. We need to learn to sing again. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not the preacher or the deacon. It's me, oh Lord, that's standing in the need of prayer. I mean, can you imagine a, per- a person uh, walking and, and, and talking with uh, strips of bacon on their ear and an egg on their head and saying, it's somebody else that I, I, I'm concerned about. We need to take a good look in the mirror and say, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Well, Jude, uh, who was a half-brother of our Lord, uh, he wrote the, the book of Jude. And it's only one chapter. Uh, 
one of the shortest uh, books in the Bible, if not the shortest. I didn't check that. I think it is the shortest book in the Bible. It comes right before the book of Revelation. Uh, and he was going to write about the common salvation that we all have. You know, if you have been born again, you have a common salvation. It, it, it is the, it's the experience that we've all had. We've been born again. And if you, if you're like somebody that said to me one time, well, I'm a Christian, but I haven't been born again. I want to tell you, that's an impossibility. You cannot be a Christian without being born again. Now, you might be mistaken, but you're not a Christian. Uh, you must be born again. The Lord Jesus Christ said to Nicodemus, one of the greatest scholars of his day, uh, you must be born again. Uh, and I heard about a, a, an evangelist years ago that every time he preached, he read John 3.16, and, and he said, you know, John 3.16, uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want to talk to you about being born again. And somebody said, why do you always talk about being born again? And that evangelist looked at the man and said, because you must be born again. And we, we were holding on to that precious doctrine in the word of God. And so this was, this was Jude's uh, feeling. He wanted to write about the common salvation, but he said it became necessary. There was pressure by the Holy Spirit placed upon his heart and, and it changed his subject matter. And, and so in, instead of writing about the common salvation, he wrote that we should earnestly contend for the faith that had been once for all delivered to the saints. In other words, he's talking about a body of truth. He's talk, talking about from Revelation, uh, from, from Genesis to Revelation, uh, from creation uh, to Calvary and to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that body of truth uh, that we have in our Bible. He's talking about our Bible. He's talking about the depository of truth, God's word. And we need to earnestly contend for the faith. And you notice that there is a definite definite article before faith. It is the faith. It's not just a faith or some faith, uh, but it is the faith, the whole body, the, 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 the Christian doctrine that we share right from the word of God. It, it had been Jude's intention to write about salvation, but the Holy Spirit of God changed him, changed the direction. And so he wrote and earnestly, uh, he asked his listeners to earnestly contend for the faith. And the faith refers to the, the whole of Christian doctrine, every, every, everything from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, and it's been delivered to us. That is, it, it was given to us. It, it was entrusted to us. We didn't discover it. We didn't develop it. And we just received it. And we're to be trusted with it and to share it with others. In a word, he's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the gospel that we preach. It was delivered once. That is, once for all. It, it has been given to us once for all. There's no need for a, a second giving. And there are some denominations that have other books. And they say the Bible is not enough. We've got to have another book. I want to tell you, whenever someone tells you that, you say, oh no, oh no. <laughs> the Bible, the, 
the Bible is complete. When Jesus Christ came, he, he was the completer of the revelation of God. And God gave the word through apostles that were selected by the Lord Jesus Christ. And we have all of the New Testament, all of the truth that, we, that is needed in this world today. It was given to us. It was entrusted to us. We didn't discover it. We didn't develop it. We just received it. And it was once for all. Um, and we don't need to debate it. It's been handed over to us in its completed form. And God has given us the final words uh, on, on what we are to believe. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't rethink and restudy and restate our faith. But we don't need to revise our faith. We don't need a new faith. And you may ask, well preacher, do, 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 do you mean that I should believe the same things that my grandfather believed? Well... Yes, if your grandfather believed the book of God, the inspired, infallible, inerrant word of God, the Bible that we have, yes, you ought to believe that. If he believed that the blood of Jesus Christ is necessary for uh, for the salvation of the sinner that puts his trust and faith in Jesus, yes, I believe that we should believe exactly what our grandfathers believed. And if, if your grandfather believed in a born-again experience, a must for every person in order to go to heaven, yes, we ought to believe that if your grandfather believed in the blessed hope of our Lord Jesus Christ is, is, is coming again and I think it's going to be soon yes we should believe exactly like our grandparents believed about that. Now, listen your, grand, your, your grandfather or grandmother may not have known a computer chip from a potato chip but if, it, if he understood and believed the whole Christian doctrine correctly you're to believe the very same things about that faith. Can you say the amen to that? I'm telling you, I, I, I didn't learn a, a lot from my grandparents and my parents about the Word of God. But they, when they did talk about it, they talked about it with reverence. And they talked about it with an apt, absolute confidence that the Bible is the Word of God. And what God says is very, very important. And so, uh, just because something is old is no no uh, no sign that we should forsake it. Um, if, if your grandfather believed uh, these things about the faith, we ought to believe these things about the faith. He may never have flown in a jet airplane or he may never have talked on a cell phone, but that has no bearing on the truth. He was as up to date as we are. Just because a thing is old doesn't mean that it's out of date or it's no longer true. The sun is old, but it still warms the earth. Water is old, but it still quenches thirst. Air is old, but it still sustains life. The mathematical uh, tables are old, but two times two still equals four, in spite of the new math that we hear from time to time that confuses everybody. The age of an idea or a fact has nothing to do with truth. And so we are to earnestly contend for our faith, the faith that was once for all delivered to us. We didn't discover it, we didn't develop it, we didn't, uh, uh, we, we didn't change it. Uh, we don't debate it. We just declare it and we defend it. And that's what Jude is saying. We may not, we may not understand it all, but we stand upon it all. An old soldier of the cross said, the most important things are not the things about which we agree, but the things for which we will fight. 
the things for which we will fight. We've come to a time, our denomination, the Southern Baptist Convention, went through, went through a time that we fought with the modernists in our convention, the liberals in our convention, because they wanted to take away the truth of the infallible, inerrant word of God. And we stood firm and came through that fight, and we won the fight. And our Southern Baptist Convention is firm in, in, in its affirmation that the Bible is the word of God inspired, infallible, inerrant. It's eternal given to us and life will be open at the judgment and be with us for all eternity. God's word is important and we believe it. Well, the... Uh, our mission then is to perpetuate the old time religion. Years ago, someone wrote a chorus entitled The Old Time Religion. Did you ever sing the old time religion? Let me see. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. You know, the, uh, the, that... That old song, we don't hear it sung very much anymore, uh, once in a while, and it's sometimes whenever we have a little fellowship or we'll sing it, you know, a, a little chorus or something, and the number of verse, verses seem to be endless, you can just put everything, you know, it was good for Paul and Silas, and it's good enough for me, you know, it was good for my, for our fathers, it was good for our mothers, it was good for our brothers, it was good for our sisters, it's good enough for me, alright, I want to talk about those things, five things, and I'm, I'll do my best, my best to finish up on time today. Uh, we'll, uh, but we'll have a good time. And I want you to listen, and I want you to participate. If you want to say Amen or Hallelujah or Praise the Lord or something like that, uh, if the Spirit moves you, just go ahead and do it. I've been in services sometimes when people jump up and run around the whole church building, you know, get happy in the Lord. You don't see that happening very much anymore. But I remember as a young preacher, it happened quite often when I'd go out and preach revival meetings. People get happy uh, when a mama saw her two sons get saved and uh, that she had been praying for for five years and they bo- both were at the altar. She just got so happy. She just skipped and jumped and hopped all over the church building praising the Lord. Uh, I'm telling you, I've seen people get happy in the Lord and, and, and just jump over pews. But you say, oh, wait a minute, you know, that's Pentecostalism. No, what that is is just joy in the Spirit of God and people can't contain themselves. Uh, it, it's not something, something that they do on a regular basis. It just happens once in a while. Well, the first thing I want to say about the old time religion is that it has saved our fathers. The old time religion has saved our fathers. At its heart, the old time religion is a soul saving religion. A soul saving religion. Jesus said that the, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. And then the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1.15, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And so what do we mean by sin and by being lost? Well, the word sin literally means missing the mark. And that means that we may not be as bad as we could be and we may not be as bad as someone else, but we're not as good as we ought to be or that we must be. We have missed the mark. We have fallen short of God. God's standard and our sin has separated us from God. That's what that that's what uh, being a sinner is about. Until, until we come to 
to God through the Lord Jesus Christ, we are separated because of sin. So we stand under the judgment of God for the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. And no man can live on the wages of sin. You, know, you talk about minimum wage. Uh, everyone, everyone is in that category. We're all sinners uh, and need to be saved. And so perhaps worst of all, we can't save ourselves by being good or by being religious. We're all sinners separated from God because of our sin and therefore under the judgment of God. And so what I'm talking about is what the old time preachers used to refer to as the doctrine of total depravity. It doesn't mean that we're totally bad. It means that we are totally incapable of saving ourselves. Sin sin has affected every area of our life, body, soul, and spirit. Everything has been contaminated by sin. And we are helplessly and hopelessly lost until God does something for us. And we don't like to hear that. Uh, All of our lives we're taught self-reliance. And we're taught to carry our own weight and to stand on our own two feet. uh, To lift ourselves by our own bootstraps. But when it comes to salvation, salvation is of the Lord. You supply the sinner, he supplies the salvation. And that salvation is in the Savior. When the sinner uh, receives the Savior, and then salvation becomes a present possession. And you have it for all eternity. A young preacher, uh, preaching his first sermon, he said in his sermon, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. And when he was finished, an old retired preacher came to him and said, You know, I, 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 I liked your sermon a whole lot. But he said, I, I want to make one correction in something that you said. And the young preacher said, well, tell me. And he said, well, God said it, and that settles it. It doesn't make any difference whether you believe it or not. Whenever God says something, that settles it. But here's the thing. When you believe it, you get in on it. Can you say amen to that? Yes. You see, uh, the, the apostle Paul said to the Philippian jailer, whenever he and Silas were in jail, and the Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Well, they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And so, it, 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 when you believe the truth of God, you get in on what God has said. With all of our sophistication and all of our advances, we've not moved beyond that. Now, we need to be saved from our sins, and we need to be saved from ourselves. Now, a part of the problem today is that we have lost the concept of sin. Listen, folks, when the President of the United States is not sure what the meaning of is, is, we is in trouble. Can you say amen to that? And we have arrived at that place in in our world today. Uh, the more I know about Washington, D.C., the more it looks like the monkeys are running the zoo and like the inmates are in charge of the asylum. Uh, you, you read the papers, you listen to the news, you watch it on television, you talk to the people around you. We've got a generation right now that doesn't even know what's going on. Uh, we, 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 
we have a generation that evidently doesn't tune into the news and find out what's happening in the world beyond their own little circle. And I don't want to get off on, on that, that hobby horse. But we need to pay attention to what's going on in our world. And we need to earnestly contend for the faith, to preach the old-time religion. There's no human antidote for sin. Uh, but there is a divine antidote for sin. And we are at God's mercy. But the good news is that whenever we were helplessly and hopelessly lost, God acted in our our behalf. And the Bible says in Romans 5, 6, for yet when we were without strength, that is unable to save ourselves or to help ourselves in due time, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. And if you're saved today, it is because Christ died for you. Uh, Not because you did something to earn it. Christ paid the full debt when he died on Calvary's cross. Man can do many things by himself. He can build a rocket that will sail to the moon and back. Uh, He can build a submarine that will sail around the the world underwater. Uh, He can build an airplane that will fly faster than the speed of sound. And by the way, I I, I read some time back about uh, an airplane that was flying so fast that when it fired the bullets, it shot itself down. The plane ran into the bullets that it shot. It was a true story. Uh, I was shocked to read something like that. I mean, here's an airplane going along shooting out bullets and then running into the bullets that it shot and shoot itself down. Uh, That's that's an amazing thing to me. But when it comes to salvation, we're helplessly and hopelessly lost. The old-time religion has a Savior, and it it has saved our fathers, uh, and it will save us. The old-time religion. It has a Savior. Now understand, when, when I'm talking about the old-time religion, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about He's the Savior. We're the sinners. We're the ones that need to be saved. So at His heart, the old-time religion is soul-saving religion. The second thing that I want us to notice is that it makes you love everybody. The old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It makes you love everybody. It makes you love everybody. Uh, Only God can give us a new nature that is demonstrated by love. You see, whenever we get saved, the Spirit of God moves into our lives. Our bodies become His temple. And the love of God is poured out in our our hearts by the Holy Spirit who lives within us. That's what the Apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5. And so we we could use several refrains uh, about the new nature that God gives us. You see, whenever we get saved, it makes you love everybody because God gives you a new nature and that new nature is demonstrated by love. By love. Uh, You see, we love Him because He first loved us. John wrote and said to uh, the early Christians in 1 John, Beloved, uh, I write unto you that you love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that is born of God is, uh, uh, loveth. And he that loveth not is not born of God, uh, for God is love. And whenever you have a new birth experience, that love is shed abroad or poured abroad in your heart, and you love everyone everybody that God loves. That's why God loves everybody and I'm to love everybody because his love is poured
poured out in my heart by the Holy Spirit who lives within. And so uh, we need to get that down pat in our lives. It's, it's a, it's your new nature is demonstrated by love. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse 17. And so that new nature allows us uh, to love everybody uh, with the, with the God kind of love. Uh, I, I heard about a man who was shipwrecked on a deserted island in the South Pacific. And despite his radio calls for help, it still took many months for rescuers to find him. And when they did find him, they were surprised to see three huts on the beach. And, and they said, we thought that this was a desert, a deserted island and uh, that you were all alone here on this beach. And the man said, well, it is a deserted island, and I am alone on this beach. And they said, well, uh, there are three huts here. Why are there three huts here? And the first one, he said, and that, well, the first one there is where I live. And he said, the, the other hut, that's where I go to church. Well, they said, what about the third church, the, the third hut? He said, well, that's where I used to go to church. <laughs> now, it seems ridiculous, doesn't it? <laughs> At times, we don't even we can't even get along with ourselves, much less one another. And Baptists sometimes are the worst at it. I, I heard about six men who were marooned on an island. And, and two Baptists, two Catholics, and two Jews. The two Jews got together and they built the temple, uh, Bethel. And the two Catholics got together and they built a chapel, uh, St. Mary's. The two Baptists split and formed First Baptist Church and Second Baptist Church. You know, <laughs> you know it just happens that way sometimes. We can't even get along with ourselves. Uh, well, we're, we're bound to have disputes and disagreements. That's inevitable. But when we do, we're to resolve them quickly and be reconciled to one another, even if we have to eat crow. And the easiest way to eat crow is while it's still warm. The colder it gets, the harder it is to swallow. Keep short accounts with God and with each other. I mean, when you've done something foolish, admit it. When you've hurt somebody, ask forgiveness. When somebody's done something good for you, give them uh, 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 praise for what they've done. Express thankfulness to them. And folks, that's what we need to do in our churches today. And so... We just we just need to practice the old time religion. It's a it's a tragic thing when churches and Christians are best known for their inability to get along, um, and we need to change that picture. We need to have a new kind of picture, but. Uh, it's not going to happen until each one of us get serious about it and say, it's me, Lord. Change me, Lord. Help me to be the kind of person that you want me to be, Lord. Now, whenever the doctor gives you a prescription, that prescription is not going to help you unless you take it. And if you've had an infection in recent years, he's probably given you some kind of penicillin prescription. Penicillin was discovered in 1928. It was developed and put into use in 1940. It saved millions of lives. 
it, and I'm one that used penicillin and I had a lot of dosages of penicillin that helped me in my younger life. Well, the doctors, whenever he gives a prescription, he says, take so many pills or take so much of this two or three times a day or once every day for 10 days and people start taking it and they start feeling better and about the sixth day they they think it's all over and they quit taking the medicine and then they go into a relapse. Now you've got to follow the directions from the doctor. Take all of it uh, the way it's uh, supposed to be taken and uh, and whenever it's done will you be healed properly. Well uh, that's the way it is with the old time religion. Yeah, we, we like to just have you know like like the, the old hairstyle, uh, groom and clean or brill, brill cream. Brill, you know, brill cream was a little dabble, do you? Well, the, the old time religion is not that way. It it takes a full dosage to do you, <laughs> and we needed we, we need all of it. And so, um, you know, we have a deacon in, in our church in Fresno who was saved while he was in prison, and whenever he was released from prison. And uh, he came to church and made his decision for Christ public, and he was baptized. And uh, his, his faith in Christ dominates his life. And, and he told me, he said, Preacher, I'm not mad at anybody anymore. I love everybody. And I, that's the old-time religion. When God changes you, forgives you, makes you, makes you a, new creature, a new creature, you're going to love everybody, and you're going to stop being mad at everybody. Well, my time is just about out, but I want to go a couple of other things here. Uh, Number three, the old-time religion, it will do when we are dying. The old-time religion will do when we are dying. Now, we've all got some dying to do. Uh, the, Bible, the Bible tells us it's appointed unto man once uh, to die, and after this, the, the judgment. So, the old-time religion shows us how to die. If you live long enough, you're going to die. Can you say amen to that? I mean, when 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 we were born, folks, we 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 were born and we're on a we're on a uh, a trip to the graveyard. If Jesus does, if Jesus doesn't come in our lifetime, we're all going to die. And so you you need to understand that. And you know, to be forewarned is to be forearmed. Uh, if if we're going to die, what do I have to do in order to be prepared properly for death? It's very very important. But it's hard to get people interested in heaven nowadays with comfortable homes and luxury cars and an abundance of leisure and plenty of fun things to do. Uh, It's hard to get them uh, interested in heaven until tragedy strikes. And then we become interested when tragedy strikes. Somebody in our family is killed or somebody, a close friend is killed. Uh, Someone that we loved and admired uh, is taken away from us. Well, there is an after this part that we need to be concerned about. What happens after we die? Now, according to the Bible, there are two places after death. One is heaven, one is hell. 
and you make the decision which one that you're going to. If you want to go to heaven, then you must trust Jesus Christ because he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so if you fail to receive Jesus Christ, well, then there's only one other place that you can go, and that is to hell. Your decision not to receive Christ is a decision that sends you to hell because you were you were a sinner and you remain a sinner and God cannot allow any sin to come into heaven. And so it's just that easy. Uh, we better get interested in what Jesus has to say. Jesus said in John chapter 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. And Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we don't know where, where you're going and we, we, we don't know the, the way. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so the shortest distance between heaven and earth, between God and man, is Jesus Christ. In fact, he's not only the shortest way, he's the only way. And uh, no matter how good it gets here, it's better up higher. Um, uh, Dr. George uh, Truett a longtime pastor at First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, was visiting a wealthy West Texas uh, rancher, and the, and the rancher took him out and showed him. He said, uh, Dr. Truett, look, as far, as far as you can see to the north, he said, I own all of that land. He said, look to the east. As far as you can see, I own all of that land. Look to the south, Dr. Truett. He looked to the south, and he said, as far as you can see, I own all of that land. Look to the west, Dr. Truett. As far as you can see, I own all all of that land. What do you think about that, Dr. Truett? Truett waited a little while, thought about it a little bit, and then he pointed up and he said, what do you own up there? You know, that's the question, folks. Is your name written on the page white and fair in the book of God's kingdom? Is your name written there? Do you have treasure in heaven? Is Jesus Christ your Savior, your Lord? Do you have riches in glory that you're looking forward to? That's the important thing. Well, the old-time religion, it'll take us all to heaven. The last thing I want to say, the old-time religion, it's good enough for me. Folks, listen, look at me for a minute, all of you. 66 years ago, at age 15, I repented of my sins and asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. Quick, quick as a flash, a wonderful river of peace began to flow in my heart. And it's gotten deeper and wider every day since. I wouldn't trade my life for anything. I wish I would have trusted Jesus sooner than I did. But I didn't. no one told me what to do, how to do it. And when I heard the gospel, the first time I heard the gospel, how that God loved me, how that Christ died for me, paid my sin debt on the cross, went down into death, came up alive again, and has ascended back to heaven and offers the gift of eternal life to those that will trust Him. 
the preacher was preaching, and while he preached, I bowed my head and repented of my sins and invited Christ into my heart, and it happened immediately. And as soon as he gave the invitation, I went forward to tell him, yes, Jesus Christ came into my life, and I still remember the very place. I could take you to that place today. I, I, I talked to a man that was 100 years old in a rest home, and I asked him, I said, are you a Christian? Oh, he said, yes. I said, when did you become a Christian? He said, well, I became a Christian as a young man. And he said, in, well, actually in my teens. And I said, if you had your life to live over again, would you want to give your heart to Christ and live that way? Oh, he said, yes, but I wanna, I'd want to do it sooner than I did. I wouldn't want to waste any years in sin. And then he said, preacher, can I, can I sing you a song? Now, there's not very many hundred-year-old people that have sung me a song. I said, please do. And he said, I remember the time I can take you to the place where the Lord saved me by His wonderful grace. I cannot tell you how and I cannot tell you why, but I'll understand it better in the by and by. I mean, a hundred years old singing a song like that. And I want to tell you, here I am, and I want to tell you, I'm planning to go to heaven because I received Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. The old-time religion is good enough for me. Can you say amen to that? Listen, folks. It will take us all to heaven. It will take us all to heaven. It will take us all to heaven. It's good enough for me. Stand up, will you? Stand up. Everyone, come on. Stand up. Let's just sing a little bit. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. It was good for our fathers. It was good for our fathers. It was good for our fathers. It's good enough for me. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. Alright, and now one more. It will take us all to heaven. It will take us all to heaven. It will take us all to heaven. It's good enough for me. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. Give me that old time religion. It's good enough for me. Amen. Amen. Now folks, that is just simple preaching this morning. But I, we need to get back to it, the old time religion, and preach it in our contemporary society, and live it to its fullest. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. Betty, you come lead us in this. We're going to sing a hymn of invitation. If you need to trust Jesus today, you can come and say, today I'm trusting Jesus as personal Lord and Savior. If you need to transfer your church membership and become a member here, you come and say, God is leading me to place my life in love and loyalty in this church. I want to be a part of it. If, if, if there's something that I haven't mentioned, but you want to get straight with God, you can come to this altar and pray and let the Lord have His way today. As we sing our song of invitation, invitation Betty will lead us. Open my eyes that I may see glimpses of truth thou hast for me.
sir. Just thank you for a wonderful message. Amen. You know, Amen. Uh, Amen. And that's fervor. And uh, sometimes we lose our fervor. And uh, uh, if we need to gain that. And I just can pray that, that uh, Berea will uh, gain that fervor for the Lord. Amen. Listen, we got the old time religion. There's a lot of contemporary stuff going around. But I will tell you, if you, if you know Jesus and, and you study the Word of God and, and follow its instructions, you know, Bible, believers' instructions before leaving earth, 